Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Have you made silence your friend? Welcome to episode number 87. Today, I'm talking to Sheila Marie. She's a meditation teacher with a large following online geared towards African American women. In this recording, we're going to talk about the power of self awareness, how to transform guilt and shame. We're going to dive into the psychology of body image and the empowerment of being naked. She'll detail how she went from someone who was burnt out and had self-worth issues to someone who transformed all of that through meditation. So sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful recording. Sheila, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. How has meditation changed your life? Hmm. How has it not changed my life? I mm. think that um, I come from a background with where chronic anxiety was normal, high stress, trauma, a lot of uh, criticizing ourselves, depression, severe anxiety, all of that. So for me, meditation was, it just opened a door into a new way of living that I, I didn't know existed. I didn't know was even possible. The first step that meditation, the first the, the, what allowed me to really shift my whole life with meditation was allowing me to hear my inner voice, mm. which I realized was always running like a radio in the background all the time. But meditation allowed me to be like, oh, like I say some pretty mean things to myself. Like, I don't know if this is OK. And from there, I was like, all right, what do I have to do? What's yoga? What's therapy? And like all of that. But meditation was the first step in allowing me to feel like I had some type of control over my life and not just feeling mm. like a victim of my circumstances, I would say. The observation level goes way up, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Like being self-aware is like a superpower, I think. Mm. Um, and if in my life I've noticed, not only with me, but with I feel like self-aware people are very attractive. Yeah. We like, like people who are comfortable to be transparent. When I say self-aware, self-aware to me means... Um, I'm aware of the way that I show up in the world and I can flex with it. Like I am not just here and not being aware of what I'm doing. I notice, like when, for me, for example, like the posts on social media, the videos that I do, that get the highest level of engagement are ones with a level of self-awareness. Mm. And I can say, Hey, uh, I was wrong <laughs> when I said that before, or I know that this might look like such and such, but this is what I'm doing. Or, you know what I'm saying? When mm. I can comment on it, it, it invites people to do the same for themselves. And uh, I find that a lot of people are looking for that right now. Yeah. And, you know, your, your brand is, you know, it stands out. Curvy, curly, conscious movement. Yes. Well, my company is called Curvy, Curly, Conscious, which was born out of, I just was using a hashtag called hashtag curvy and curly. Like, that was just how I started on Instagram. I started by sharing pictures of like, you know, I, so I lived in New York at the time on Instagram. I was just starting on Instagram. This was early in Instagram, but like life. And they only had pictures at that point. There was no other features. And I, you know, I'm curvy. I was always curvy my whole life. And I always felt that I didn't have control over the way people perceived my body. I was always over-sexualized in my view all the time. In New York, you know, if you're walking on the street and if it's the summer and you have a sundress on, it's, it can feel very, you don't feel safe. It can feel violent even, like, you know? Yeah. There, you know, so whatever. And especially the where I live. I lived in Crown Heights at the time in Brooklyn. So, you know, it was people out there. People are out. People are having a good time. So yeah. I felt that, hey, on Instagram, though, I can wear what I want. You know, I can wear what I want. I can I can dress however. I want to wear a bikini and show my curves. I can do that. And I, I can control the way that people engage with me. So that's where I started talking about my issues with body acceptance. I started talking about depression and anxiety using the hashtag, hashtag curvy and curly. And it just grew from there. 
we started doing in-person events and that led to us touring and that led to us doing international retreats and that led us to where we are today where we have like an online community of over 400,000 women um, and allies and supporters uh, mostly black women but allies and supporters as well that we're just interested in living happier and healthier and showing up that's what I was going to say is because I have a I know a gentleman by the name of Kelvin Young. He's been on this podcast twice, black dude. And he he was in jail at one point. He turned his life around. He came out. Now he's a sound healer. Now he helps people with recovery from drugs. And he's a big part of my community here in Hartford. And one of the things that he always says is, he's like, I grew up and I thought meditation was for Buddhists. He's like, I thought yoga was for hippies. And he's like, in the black community, it's not Oh no. Thing. Yeah. So now I see someone, I, I see you who has a, a great following on Instagram. And you just said most of your audience is African-American women. Mm-hmm. So you're providing something that, you know, they might, might've not been in tune with before. You know, it's not an accident that a lot of black Americans and black people across the diaspora are Christian. That's not an accident. That was Mm -hmm. a tool of colonialism. It's a tool of control. Mm -hmm. Not to say that the religion is, but the way that it was forced on us, right? Dispersed, yeah, yeah. So it is heavy in the African-American community to this day in the U.S. And I do get a lot of women that are like, hey, like, is yoga devilish? Like, is, can I still be Christian and do yoga? Like, what's all these spells and stuff like that? Are y'all talking to, to demons and spirits? Are you praising? Are you worshiping? Like, do you worship trees? Is that against the Bible? Like, all of these questions, right? And it's yeah. like, I understand because I came from a Christian background as well. And I, I, even me, like meditation started, even in the beginning, I was like, is this okay? Like, hey, God, like, am I all right here? Yeah. And so I, what I do is I, I really just gently guide my community, not into any way that I want them to go, because that's, I, I don't even like the term followers, like, because I don't have followers. That's not the, my platform would, people don't follow. My platform is people are, well, there are some people are there just for the pictures and just to be nosy about my relationship or whatever. But like a majority of people are there because they are also developing their own cognition, intuition. They're, they're, they're critically assessing who they are in the world. And so I don't like followers because I don't want to lead you anywhere. Really, I'm just here to introduce you. So I think that me being not only a model, which is like, I am you, I am your community. I understand where you came from. I, I, I have been on a similar journey like you and I am practicing meditation and I'm talking about it and my family knows and they talk about it and so it's like it invites them to also explore their own journey and when I first started sharing meditation I got a lot of backlash from my personal family and friends um, who were like you know saying those things like oh well we worship Jesus over here I don't know what that is and now they ask me, can you meditate with me? Can you show me meditation? How do you do it? Because it's like, <laughs> to me, time, the proof is in the way that I show up. Like anybody who knows me on a personal level will see how much I have changed and how much I have been able to invite more happiness and help. Like if on the women's side, my mother and the women on her like side of the family are all having to use some type of medication to get through daily functioning. And there is no such thing as like a happy, healthy marriage on that side. And so like I, my family will look and be like, hey, like there's definitely something here that's different and they are open to it. Some, some, you know, people who choose. But for me, I just tell my community, I think it's, I think women, I I speak to women because I just feel called divinely to speak to women. I have a love for humanity at large, but like I speak to women and I'm like looking around and I'm like, I think we deserve better than what we have. I think we deserve joy and happiness. And it's I a great. I think it's a great service. And let's stay with one of the topics you just brought up because it's talked about on this podcast so often is that in Christianity, mostly, don't want to single the whole thing out, but mostly it's very much my way or the highway. Yeah. 
And me as a health practitioner for 10 years, I can't tell you how many super Christians come to me with anxiety, depression. And it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like Jesus is helping you because you're stuck in a belief instead of an experience. I like that. They're stuck in a belief instead of an experience. Absolutely. So meditation is an experience. Mm, I love that. And you're proof of that. Yeah. People will tell you about their beliefs all day, but you'll like, you'll like, I don't want you to tell me, like, show me, show me how that belief shows up in your life. And like, how does that work for you? Right. For me, I can speak for myself personally. I have always been a person that asks questions. When I was young, they gave me a book of questions for Christmas. I've always been a, I have a person to question everything. And I remember reading the Bible, looking through the Bible, listening to what they're telling me. Okay, so wait, God is a jealous God? But mm. why is God a jealous God? God created everything. You know, to, like, you know, like stuff like that didn't yeah. mean, I felt like, but you guys seem like the jealous ones, not him. You know, God is angry at us, but I thought, we were created in his image so he created i used to get in trouble for asking these questions like why would you create us in your image only to destroy us if only those who can fit through the eye of a needle Mm -hmm. so everybody was made just to fail you love us that much but you're that mad at us like hold on you know so i started to think like a lot of this if god is love and that was the thing that stuck to me love if god is love i want to actually feel and experience a little bit more of that I feel like there's a lot of judgment and shame. And that I feel like is the most detrimental part of dog, like dogma and like practicing any religion hardcore is that it doesn't allow for you to really experience the full fullness of humanity. And it leads down a one-way road to guilt and shame. And when I meet women, I know that guilt and shame in terms of frequency in your bodies the area of our bodies that we hold guilt and shame, women is in our womb area, our solar plexus, like so fibroids, you know, all type of issues, womb health issues, not being able to experience orgasm, not being able to experience sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. So much guilt and shame around sex, around your body, around desire, around the way you show up in the world. And I, you know, throughout my own spiritual journey, realized how much guilt and shame separates us from love. It separates us from people. It separates us from joy. You know what I'm saying? It's a blockage, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, I just wanted more of that. Mm. And I experience the most connection and the most joy when I work through a non-judgmental lens. Mm. And that's a staple of a Curvy Curly Conscious community. Like if you go to any event that I produce, any of my retreats, that's what I'll do immediately. The first thing when we walk in the door, the first day of the retreat, is always reminding them of the world that we want to see. And this is a world, even if I can only create it for eight hours, even if I can only create it for six days, is a world where women do not harshly judge themselves and each other. Mm. And I have to tell you, it's my favorite thing on earth. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. It's such a sublime experience to, to see people tripping up and going, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm not judging. My bad, hold on, I'll come back. Or you know, it's all of a sudden in an environment where a lot of women go, can I come to the retreat by myself? Like, I'm kind of scared. It, it's, it's, it, it, by the, the end of the six days, I can't tell who's who. I thought y'all came together. You guys don't know each other. You didn't grow up together. People are like, is that your belly button ring? Oh my God, is that your C-section scar? That's so cool. That's mine too. You can feel like I can't change the world. Mm. I can't change government. I can, I can to an extent, but it feels change so yourself. I could just create little pieces, little pockets, starting with ourselves, which is why you have Inner Peaks podcasts, I'm sure. Because that's, right. that's really where we start, you know? When someone will ask me, like, how do I how do I deal with this, all of the anxiety around our government? You know, mm-hmm. how do I deal with the racial unrest in this country? Oh, I can't change everybody. I can't promise you nobody's going to come and say, hey, I'm sorry for being a jerk to you. Hey, I'm sorry for the... I can only work one by one on starting from the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's why me practicing what I preach is so important to my community. A huge gem there with the guilt and the shame. Um, Before we unpack that though, I want to go back to the Bible real quick because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's greatly not understood that in order to really understand the Bible, you have to look at it with a mystical eye. Ooh. 
And what do you need, mean by that? Well, it's written by mystics, so <laughs> it needs to be understood. Uh, one Where did of, we lose that? Where did we lose that? Because I didn't. I don't know if I knew that. The Roman Empire hijacked it. You know, three hundred years after Christ, the Roman Empire hijacked it. You know, changed it up and just dis- dispersed it. But you know, this is one of the you know advantages of a tradition such as Kabbalah. You know, or you can really understand the Bible, or even if you get into Buddhism or Taoism or any of the Eastern traditions, once you start understanding, then you can read the Bible in a different way. So I'm only saying that to say that. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I don't know why. I think that's what I did. I didn't know it. Yeah, you don't have to know it. It's just most people grow up in a Christian tradition and it's delivered to us by the the priest depending on what tradition you're in mm-hmm. and it's just the word it's just promoted as that's the word yeah. it's just the word that that's it yeah but there's so much mysticism behind it like the kingdom of heaven is within you things like this right yes. so yeah it makes me reminds me of was that from conversations with god when you said that the real holy trinity is the word the emotion and something like that like the when you're reading i guess what all i remember clearly is that you can't just read the text and interpret it because everyone can have their own interpretation Mm -hmm. ten thousand people could read one sentence everybody could get a different thing out of that sentence Mm -hmm. but what is your inner guidance in your kingdom is how do you feel like your emotions are like the bridge which I, in my mind, emotions are very, your, your divine inner guidance, which I feel like it's really sad that a lot of emotions have gotten this like bad rap, like, oh, you know, we're going to get rid of them. I'm business. I'm smart. I don't think emotion. I don't get like emotions are a negative thing. It's, to me, I think they're uh, our strength and guidance. So I guess mm-hmm. if you're reading, let's say, if it's any holy text, and then meditating on how you feel about those words and maybe like seeing if there's any other divine guidance on what those words may mean for you. That's what I started doing that I didn't even realize until you said it is at first I rejected all religion. I was like, oh, all of this. Same here. So I don't want any of it. I'm free. I'm going to be my own spiritual thing. And then now I'm at the place where I'm like, well, I think there's a function. There's a function for religion. And I think when I look at the Bible and I read it, I'm like, wow, all of this is parable. Mm. These are stories and, and they all make sense to me now in a different way. It's poetry. It really is. Like Shakespeare, you know, or, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a theater nerd. Like I read plays and, you know, when you're reading a play, I was telling my husband the other day, I'm like, me growing up as a, a playwright and a person who studies theater has fundamentally changed the way I see the world. If I'm reading a play, I'm thinking about how the writer or the playwright described their their clothes what do they have on what colors is she wearing mm-hmm. what's her hair like why did she come in the room first but she's in the room she didn't say anything are the doors is there light in the room oh okay it's dark that means there's a brooding it, like it's just that i'm always saying like there's a story to be told that is not only through the text mm-hmm. there's and so even if i'm looking around at tv or movies or people you know that there are always messages and symbols. I think that the main thing I got maybe through meditation is like, because our subconscious communicates in symbols as well. And so I feel like when I look at the world, I just think that all of this is symbols and even our lives. Mm. We play our lives out like a play. You know, we create characters, we create stories, arcs, Mm. uh, victims, you know, and we do this. And so that's another thing too that I kind of like, really try to promote is a little joy throughout the, the whole process. I think that the space that I occupy in the wellness field or whatever is very playful. Uh, I'm not a person that takes all of this too seriously or myself too seriously because I feel like for me, it gets overwhelming. Yeah. And if I could just sometimes take it with like kind of a playful lens, I'm like, oh, wow, I am showing up as XYZ today. Okay, well, let me just play with this and see what happens. Yeah. I, I think it's easier you know it's hard if you're like gotta get it right you know well life's life's not as serious as we think it is this is true 
sometimes I'm like, none of it matters. Hello, Buddhism. Like even <laughs> mm-hmm. detachment, thinking about all of that. Sometimes, you know what? That's so funny. When I lived in New York, I was so much more driven, but in a toxic way. Like, you know, grinding myself to the core. That's the right. New York energy. Right. Didn't have any fun. Well, I had fun, but it was still a lot of work. And and now I'm at the place where I work in a very measured way and I definitely have boundaries around my personal time, my space, my joy, because I'm like, at one level, all of this matters. And then at one level, <laughs> it doesn't. And, and, and let me unpack something else that you said like five minutes ago or so. I'm taking mental notes here. I love it. You, you talked about men hooting and hollering while you're walking down the street with a sundress on, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the normal sort of reaction of this new era, if you will. So that's the opposite of body shaming. That's body, what would be the word? Glorification, maybe? So there's two sides of the coin there. There's there's body shaming, Mm -hmm. and there's body glorification or body worship, maybe. Definitely does feel like a form of worship, Although it feels like a, the word is not violent. The word I want is. um, Aggressive. I was thinking about aggressive, but there's even a better word that it feels that there's no boundaries within it. Like it's not worship on your own terms. It's like. Well, it's, it's, we're, we're in this weird place right now because women who have these miraculous bodies, they're, they're not afraid to show them on social media. Like, you know, as soon as I sign in the Facebook and I hit, you know, the story thing pops up and it's one woman after another. It's like, I don't know if I'm on a dating site. I don't know where I am. I'm I just, I don't know. It if definitely I'm, ain't safe to open up Instagram. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, Hey there. Okay. <laughs> the, the stories have changed the game. The stories feature. Yeah, it has. And so I don't know. I mean, I have an idea psychologically of what a woman's trying to do there. She's looking for the hearts, looking for the the, the positive emojis. The DMs are crazy. I, I mean, they got to be nuts. Yeah. It's also a site of power, though. Hmm. Like, if you're a woman and you do not have, you don't have that many opportunities in life where you can control the exact circumstances around which your body is perceived. Hmm. If you go out, you know, a guy, like you said, like it's unwanted worship too. Like you could go out and just be wanting to wear a sundress because you like it and it feels good to you, but you can't because if you go out, they're going to say, well, you, you shouldn't wear a sundress if you ain't want me to say nothing. And then, you hmm. know, trying to grab your arm and then stop you. And then it's very disruptive. It does not feel safe at all. But, and you know, like, but now I feel like Instagram changed the game. I, I used to talk about this a lot about why I used to post pictures like that in the beginning, because it is us accessing power. When have women been able to control their image in this way? Never, mm. never, mm. never. Mm. You've never been able to put yourself out to millions of people exactly the way you want. And so I feel like a lot of women are just, tr- just wanting to experience that uh, sight of power, what it feels like to put this out and get the reaction I want, or to put this out and to get that type of attention. And attention, I don't think there's anything wrong with attention. I used to say that in the very beginning of like, what is, yes, we want attention on our terms. It's totally different from attention that's unwanted. On our terms, absolutely. Attention on our terms is safe. It's comfortable, it's nice. It's like consent with anything. Attention on your terms might not feel safe and nice to us. You know what Mm. I'm saying? Hmm. Can it become addicting now? Uh, anything can become addic- addicting, especially forms of validation. Hmm. So any forms of validation can become addicting. Like, Cause, cause, like celebrity, yes, anything. Because I, I joke around a lot that, you know, I have the most beautiful women in the world in my DMs, but they're there because they have anxiety. They're not wait, there for why the are they? Number. Wait, they're writing you to help to... A lot of them have anxiety issues or depression issues. So, you know. Um, so is it is it like your belief? Okay, so I'm trying to see, I'm trying to walk down your thought pattern right here. So is it that if a woman is putting herself out in that way, you're saying there must be 
not a negative reason, but it's like, it seems like a deficiency somewhere. Well, not with all women, but I, what I'm saying is, is I've encountered a lot of women that they have very beautiful. You go on their page and it's all very yeah. sensual. They're very putting, but they're suffering from anxiety, yeah. depression. And so it's, you know, it's alarming. It's kind of like, so when I started dating Ace, I remember the, the, the first time that I met up with him and his friends, they were like uh, saying something like, oh yeah, you know, cause all the girls we meet, they only want um, for money or for, for this. And you know, they're all they're only about using their bodies. And I'm like, okay, so where are you looking for women? Are you going to Bible study or like the library? Mm. Oh, you're at the club, right? Oh, what's that chain around your neck, right? What is it? Let me look at you. You have Gucci. You have all. So it's like you're, we're all animals communicating symbols. So if you, you know, it's like the same thing for guys of posting up, you know, your cars or whatever. You're sending symbols of like, I have power, right? I have access to power. I have money. Look at me. I have status. And maybe the, I feel like women too are like, well, we want in on this too. You know, I'm going to, you know, a lot of them are like, I'm going to use the tools around me also to create my own sites of power, my own ability to create income for myself. Shout out to OnlyFans. I think it's great. I'm not ever going to be on OnlyFans because it's not my vibe, but I'm on Patreon. It's similar. You know what I'm saying? OnlyFans just has a sexual, sensual slant to it. But I think that I like the, I like the fact that women are being able to control the way that they earn income the way that they're seen and the way that people interact with them and i think that men have been doing it for so long and it can feel like i, I you said alarming and i'm like yes it's true but then i also feel like the same way about celebrity in general mm. being in the public eye in general mm. influencers in general mm. like across the board regardless of gender you can, I can see how it can be addicting. Like you'll see people, you'll be like, you could see them going down and like, Ooh, what are they, why is she doing that? Oh, okay. Like, you know, and to anyone who puts themselves out to, for consumption by the public, in some ways you get commodified, you know, in some ways they, the world treats you like a, something to just be consumed you're not necessarily fully human anymore like even the way people expect influencers to put out content like a product yeah yeah you just become something to be consumed like everything else in this society <laughs> there is another side to this too though there's the side of vulnerability mm -hmm. when we become open you know we can use social media as a device to be vulnerable and yes. that open that opens up our heart. Sometimes we have to do it. I had a gentleman on this podcast named Ken Freed. <laughs> he wrote a book on his penis size being small. Oh Jesus. Oh Lord. Because he needed to overcome his body shame to become well, that's a lot to unpack i feel like i even need someone smarter than me to really unpack that because that's a lot because i'm thinking oh men can't make their penis like men can't do anything without their penis being the center of it like even even though the, where i used to live in tallahassee where i went to florida state the capital is a phallic symbol like with balls and everything and i'm just like wow men cannot make can men experience life? Can men work through things without their penis being at the center of it? Nope. And I'm not saying you said no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for that man. No, I was kidding. <laughs> it's yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I, he needed like to do it. He need, he needed to do it to heal, and he feels yeah. great. He feels great now. You know, put himself out there like, yo, this is what it is. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, that's that's definitely bold. And he's, he's a coach. He helps people. So, I mean. Wow. So. Well, yeah, that is definitely, that is definitely a, a level of being vulnerable because. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a site of definite insecurity for a lot of men. And we live in this society where body shaming is like the deal. Like. I know it's insane. It's, it's bad. And, and I think men. Uh, if we're <laughs> venturing on this topic, mm -hmm. we're hidden. You're you're not. It's hidden. When you walk down the street, it's like, oh wow, look at those curves. You know, wow, look at her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When a guy walks down the street, 
what's a woman looking at? She's looking at, you know, his, his face or, or I, I guess. She well, can... she's, well, we're probably scanning you for all of the, the signals you're giving off, you know, yeah. what is your, your facial hair look like? You know, do what your teeth look like? Your eyes, like, are yeah. you healthy? Do you look like you get a lot of sleep? Like this might not be on a conscious level, but I feel like, you know, what happens in a split second is like scanning someone like, are they biologically good to carry on the species? Like, could I reproduce with them? <laughs> would they be able to take care of me? Like, would they yeah. be alive? You know, and yeah. men are doing the same thing. Like, that's why you would focus on the body. Like, does she have hips? Like, could she bear but children? The, but the penis is hidden. That's very true. Yeah. yeah it so it, it is. It's But all whole... of that other stuff I said isn't. We're still looking at you for socioeconomic signifiers and status symbols you know what i'm saying a guy stepping out of a a like s a black suv it's like oh he might be somebody okay you know right it's all of that it's just a big game i'm not gonna i'm I'm not gonna lie like the best the first retreat i did was at a clothing optional resort and it was my favorite because there was a whole side of the resort where everybody you had to be naked if you were on that side you could choose to be whatever on the other side you could be half you could be whatever but most of us spend our time on the complete nude side, even those wow. who thought they wouldn't. Why? Because it was so free. Like you didn't have any of those signifiers. You didn't have any clothing symbols and what are you wearing? Wow. Nobody cared about what your body looked like. No, mm. all of it went out the door. Right. Like, Cause you realize like everybody has something. Well, she has cellulite. Well, she has this, well, he has this way. It's just, it was like such a free and different non-judgmental space it was so cool it's such an empowerment yeah uh, like i think of the great spiritual master george gurchiff who said his father gave him two pieces of advice number one wake up with the sun number mm. two go dance naked mm. and that was it mm. that was it so dance naked everywhere and I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you're able to just dance naked, and this is what Ken was talking about on yeah. that podcast episode. Yeah, he said definitely. that he was missing out when him and his friends, you know, would go to the spring and everyone's jumping in naked or whatever, and he'd be like, uh uh, I don't know about this, you know, and, and so he right. had to free, he had to free himself. Mm-hmm. So that this retreat that you're talking about with the women being naked women go through body shame way more than men for the most part because you're not hidden yeah everything is there Mm -hmm. everything is there and we're in this society where you know the kim kardashians the Nicki minajs that i mean the the body shapes are it's not like it was when i was in high school i don't know what changed but yeah it's, I think they were always there. I feel like it's so much more visible and emphasized now. And then also, too, surgery, it just got cheaper and they got better. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are doing it now. I live in Florida. I live in South Florida, and everybody down here gets work done. It's so, like they have, it's so common that people don't believe that I haven't had work done because it's just such a standard body type down here. It's everywhere. You had body worship pretty much your your whole life, like guys hooting and hollering all the Mm -hmm. time, right? When the other woman walks by who is not curvy, she automatically, well, assuming she's not, she hasn't come to grips with it, but she might have body shame just, just by looking at someone such as yourself right yeah a lot of women we talk about that at our retreats are some of them like well i wish i had that i wish i had that attention on the street right and someone will be like wow i wish i could not have attention on the street and it's like it's it's definitely a, a deep conversation to be had for sure mm. well we're there I can understand i can understand both sides for sure uh how long ago did you meet meet your husband um about six years ago or so okay so you've been together for a long time for the Mm -hmm. most part Mm -hmm. okay okay so what is from your perspective what is a woman looking for from a man depends Mm. um i can't speak for all women but i i think what i hear the most women are looking for consistency 
stability, loyalty, mm-hmm. but then the opposite at the same time. <laughs> so I want you to be unpredictable and surprise me, but I still want you to be predict- predictable in the sense that you're going to bring an income or you're, I know you're going to be here for me or you're going to help take the kids to school or whatever, you know? So I think that it depends on every woman, but for the most part, I feel like what I've heard is that women want to know that you're going to be here when I need you. And that you're going to show up for me and you're not just going to leave me in a, in a, in a tough situation. Do you feel like you married your best friend? Yeah. Oh yeah. We just had the conversation yesterday. Yes. One of my best friends. Cause I have other best friends too, but he's definitely like, he's the only best friend I sleep with. So, you know, that's different. Right. He's my best friend. Right. He's my homie, love a friend. Like, yeah. It's a small world, real real quick side note. Um, I used to be in radio back in the day, my 20s. I was on Hot 93.7, WZMX in Hartford. Wow. Ace Hood came out as I was retiring. So That's crazy. I probably met him, but At I don't quite remember. I, I think Khaled brought him out, if I'm not mistaken. That's awesome. Yeah, so small world, small business. That's my old life, though. It's a long it time, is. A long is time a ago. World. <laughs> is that your advice to someone is to find your best friend, find someone that, how about someone that can bring you inner peace? Yeah. I would say find, them, find, find someone that makes this easier, makes it easier, like, and makes it, who reminds you that it's all worth it, mm. you know, because I just feel that like especially through the pandemic like that was really hard like we came right back from honeymoon and we didn't even know what was going on we were tapped out we were just chilling and living our own little world and freaking turned on the phone and the tv and was just like the world's ending like it was just you know so if i didn't have him to remind me and to just reassure me and just uh i think finding someone that just reminds you that this is all worth it you mentioned somewhere on your bio that you were burnt out at some point Mm -hmm. you became very burnt out was this back when you were in new york Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is at the beginning of my healing journey i was just burnt out just tired yeah i know that feeling Mm -hmm. yeah so did you feel you had anxiety depression Mm -hmm. burnout the whole nine yards all of that yeah i was i was acting i was going on in uh, auditions and constantly facing rejection and seeing my friends do well Mm. and then grinding is putting every dollar back into my career. So not having financial freedom, um, not having enough resources to do the things I want, not experiencing enough joy, living for other people. Like it's just, I just felt that um, it was just really getting to me. I started to really feel like I didn't even know if I wanted to do this anymore, like life in general. And that's when I felt that I was like, okay, I was really looking for answers. And that it was around that time I started looking into meditation and everything. You didn't know if you wanted to do this life in general. Mm-hmm. That's a big statement right there, Sheila. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I, I struggled with self-worthiness. And so wondering, like, do I make a difference? Like, it's really important that I'm even here. Like, eh, people would miss me, but it wouldn't be like that big of a thing. Like, just really wondering about my place in the world. Like, is there a place for me? Like, even as I mean, there's layers to this experience. As a black person, sometimes you wonder if there's a place do you value? Are you valued? Are you important? Then as a black woman, you feel that on another level. And then just as somebody who was living my life, like going through acting and not having access to finance, you just start to wonder, well, I did. I started to wonder, like, did I want to do this? This is just, Mm. this is very, very difficult. And I don't even know. And I'm also sensitive. I'm a very extremely spiritual person, extremely tapped into the spirit world. And it was just a lot for me. I didn't know at the time that part of what I was experiencing was also me being an empath. I didn't know what that was at the time. But living in New York was a little intense for me because I feel all these energies all the time. So if I'm at a subway station and there's all these people going through all of their sadness and it was just, I didn't have tools to deal with that at the time. And so I just was waiting in all of this 
like stuff and I did not have the tools to identify and name what I was going through and naming is very important if you can't name a thing if you can't name what you're experiencing you can't solve it you can't shift it you don't know so I think that was a point where I just decided I wanted to take control of my life in a different way mm. what what was it that led you to meditation? Was it just a thought or did, did were you inspired by someone? Well, uh, I had one time taken a yoga class before, like, and I thought, like, I took an African yoga class in, um, in uh, Tallahassee when I was in college. Somebody's like, there's this African yoga class. And they didn't even specify where in Africa. It was just called Africa. So I was like, okay. And I was like, thought like the part where you were quiet was really cool, but I didn't know that was meditation. I was just like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't really think nothing of it. And then when I was in New York, one of my roommates suggested, let's go to like yoga. And I thought, oh, yoga is only for skinny white women. But <laughs> I went and I realized Shavasana was the part that I resonated with the most when you just were quiet at the end. I was like, I had I hadn't felt this level of calm and peace. I don't know, ever, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, and I just thought, I want more of this. So I would just I almost used it as a coping mechanism at first to escape all of like what was going on. I would literally, I felt like I would just leave and take a vacation. I would go in meditation and uh, especially me because I love creative visualizations, which are when you imagine things for people like me who have big ima imaginations anyway, very creative. Those really, uh, they were attractive to me. And so I would just go, I would do what I call quantum meditation. I would go and imagine different scenarios. I would go and have conversations with people that I couldn't have in real life. And so it became a real way for me to experience an alternate reality, which really kept me going. This one was tiring. I was grinding, okay? Well, I feel like I'm, I'm hearing Gil Scott Heron right now. What is that? Is it New York is killing me? Is that the poem? Do you know that poem? I think it's New York is killing me, but just like New York is a very difficult place to live. Mm. Shout out to New Yorkers, man. They just is that 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 whole if you can make it in New York and you can make it anywhere is absolutely true. Yeah, I lived there for one summer. I have an episode on this podcast called Ambition is a Disease. Mm -hmm. It can be. Anything, everything in moderation, man. A like, dog, yeah. a dog that chases its tail is ambitious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And a lot of us can be like a hamster in a wheel, just chasing, chasing, chasing what. And that's going back to what I said earlier, where sometimes it doesn't matter at all, because sometimes like those things you think you want aren't going to bring you the fulfillment you think it will anyway. Hmm. For me, I had I, I've always been a very ambitious person. But in 2018, I had something happen. And then so I had this let go. Mm. Right? Just, it just, everything just dropped. And it became harder to do work. I can so, imagine. And so even to this day, I have to, I have to really will myself to do work, which is the total opposite. I've always been you know, an assassin, the grinder, you know, the, the, the mamba mentality is maybe yeah. we would call it now. Oh yeah. But it feels good to let go. <laughs> it really does. Even when we first were on this whole lockdown situation, I was reminded again of like, um, I like this pace. This is slower. Maybe I, it, it just, I felt very intuitively like we're grinding, like a machine grinds, like you're not a machine, you're not meant to grind. And I was like, how many of us never sat down like this? Or, and not that it was nice because it was forced and you know, that, that it's not like we just took a relaxing vacation, but on some level, I, I, it just really reminded me of the pace of our life. The pace that, that this society forces people to move at is extremely unhealthy. Mechanical. Mm -hmm. Very mechanical. Computer. Yeah. 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 And so meditation is a great way to slow it down. Mm -hmm. Did you also study any Eastern philosophies when you were going mm -hmm. through your transition? Yes. I studied a bit of Buddhism. Um, not 
any uh, in-depth or in an orthodox way, but I did study just a bit of Buddhism. I am familiar with Taoism, but very little. I am familiar somewhat with chakras and out of respect for the place of the world where chakras came from the ideas. Like Mm -hmm. I do try to learn a little bit, but I'm really a person who just picks a little of everything. And I don't like study any one method to the degree where I would be a student of one method. Yeah. You don't really have to, but I, I just find it so interesting. And it's such a common theme on this podcast that just so many Americans get caught up. They get stressed. They have some sort of breakdown. They have some sort of break. Mm-hmm. And what saves them is Eastern traditions. Also, too, there's a been erasure of Africans' contributions into this this sure. way of living and healing also and i'm reminded of that because uh, i know there's been a, a conversations before with like are you know appro- are you appropriating these um cultures and i definitely i understand and i definitely hear that i'm like okay make sure that it's appreciation not appropriation mm-hmm. but there's i mean I, I i have i bring practitioners on all the time to my retreats who are experts in these modalities because i'm not but africans have been doing this also Mm-hmm. since we could you know like since centuries ago so well this this piggybacks off of something you said earlier in this recording when you said that christianity was dispersed yeah and to we african americans a lot of our yes exactly because there was no christianity in africa back in you know ancient times No, not in the way it looks now. No, not at all. (laughs) Ancient religions and ancient knowledge is is like, to me, it's a it's a remembering in the same way in the Mm. in the spirit realm. You know, our whole life is just remembering who we are. In the same way as a Mm. species, you know, maybe sometimes we're just going back to remember who we are and what we've already and always known. You know, Mm. Africa and India are very. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with those two nations. Those two areas. Yes, absolutely. And all this ancient stuff is just brilliant to me. But there is a pattern that I see of people, you know, going back to that. And that's what brings them back to being grounded, such as yourself, Especially such as for, myself. For Black people in the States, returning to the, the brilliance and the knowledge that came from across the entire continent of Africa is important for us. It's, it gives us a sense of, um, you know, it, for me, when I was in school, like you don't learn about black people and people of color that are, you don't learn about them ancient peoples. You don't learn about them mm-hmm. having wisdom and you don't mm-hmm. learn about them, you know, having these great monarchs and you don't learn about them. You know, you learn about the Greco-Roman era. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the history books does not look like you. Mm-hmm. And so you have like a little black history month chapter and that's it. You learn George Washington Carver made peanut butter and yeah. that's it. You don't learn about the thousands, millions of inventions that came from black faces. You know, we don't learn about all of that. So I feel like we're searching for that to be reminded that we're brilliant too, right? We're smart too. We're worthy too. We come from a lineage of brilliance and intelligence and creativity and divinity also. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're the only ones that will remind ourselves of that. So it's so important. Yeah. I mean, I didn't learn about that stuff until Public Enemy and KRS-One in the early 90s. Right. Shout out to (laughs) them. I had to learn it from rap music. It weren't in the the books at school. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been erased. Yeah. I love how you have your meditation mixtapes. I also have meditations on Spotify and whatnot. And so I can appreciate that. What made you want to give people your meditations? Uh, I just, I just thought of what I would want and what I wanted when I first started meditating was I could only do guided meditations because of my anxiety. The silence was a little bit much long, long sessions. Mm. And I wanted a voice that I could relate to. All the voices were like, you know, these white men and white women and Mm -hmm. who want to rock in a tree. And it was like, okay, nice. But like, can I get somebody that doesn't sound like 
Ooh, I just want somebody that I relate to. Like, can you give me a voice that I might be familiar with? And so that's really what I did. I recorded the first meditation mixtape for beginners. And then I recorded a meditation mixtape for kids, which is eight grades K to five and for teens, grades six to 12. And then I just released a Black Lives Meditate, which is a meditation mixtape for healing racial trauma. Mm. And Beautiful. all of those can be found. You can go to SheilaMarie.com. That's my website. My meditations are available on all streaming platforms. If you just put in my name, mm. BlackLivesMeditate.com is my latest release. And for you personally, how, how is the silence now? It varies. It varies. You know, it went up and down during this whole time of craziness, but the silence now is like definitely a space where I go and I give thanks. I hone my intuition. I hone my ability to hear. I hone my gifts. I send love. I send peace to people. I commune. And so the silence is really my friend at this point. Hmm. Meditation will forever be a part of my life. It's a staple. It's not just like I did it then and great. It's a small part of my everyday life. Like I have to meditate almost every single day. And if I don't, my life is different. Mm. Everything, making decisions in meetings, um, not getting upset, not getting triggered. It all stems to, did I meditate today? That's profound. Mm-hmm. You, got your, you got your husband meditating? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He... He loves it. He does his own thing. He has his own stuff that he reads and research and his modalities because he more is into sonic things, hearing tones and all of that. Mm. And I'm more into like visualizing. But yeah, man, he's he's been really open to it, which has been very nice. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now, business-wise? Uh, ooh, Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, and per- and personal wise, and personal wise. I think I will. Well, in ten years, I'll definitely have two to three books out for sure because I'm working on two as we speak. So I mean, it'll definitely be at least three, and I think the books will have changed a lot of things. I'll probably uh, have some type of TV show, some type of thing. I'm back on TV in some way, talking about these concepts that we're talking about. Um, bring it on a popular level and well it's already there but more for my voice and then I'll have my kids and me and Ace will have our kids and we'll probably have a little house somewhere that has a studio detached somewhere in it and just be living our quiet life I'll probably live a kind of a quiet life and do my public things but be really quiet and just be enjoying my life like I am now well you have a sundress on Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, I think there's a, a, a lot of gems in this recording, and I hope people pick them up. So They will. They will. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. A special thank you to everyone supporting this podcast and this inner peace movement. If you want to support, please join us over there, patreon.com. Or just hit the link in the description and see if you want to join this movement, get exclusive content, and help us move forward. I ask you to share this recording with someone you feel needs to hear it. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart... Feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.